0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you and praise you that every song resonated with what I know you desire to do in our hearts today. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come in power and revelation that Lord God, we would have encounters with you. That Lord God, there would be an awakening in the midst of us that would literally shift the trajectory of our lives in the name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, with all that you are, I ask you to do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And if you are hungry for more, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'll tell you, I want more. I want more. I want more. I've had amazing encounters in my life. And those defining moments, those burning bushes of my life have been literally those things that have empowered me to walk out my walk with God. But I tell you, I don't want to lean on the past ones. I want them now, right? Today is our day of salvation. Today is a day of relationship. Just because I married this man almost 47 years ago doesn't mean I re- don't want a relationship today, correct? It's not just for a moment. Relationships are eternal. And so today I'm going to talk about awakening, and how we can be assets for awakening. But we cannot give what we first don't receive. And so I have an expectation today that there is going to be the beginnings of awakening or however God wants to do. He can do whatever he wants to do. I don't care how good I preach. I don't care about any of those things. I just want him, right? I don't need all my order and structure because I'm an order and structured person, but I'm willing to give up all that I am because I want him more than who I am. Come on. Okay, let me give you the definition of awakening. It means to awake from sleep or slumber. That makes sense, right? But listen to this it means coming into existence or awareness. Many of us have known Jesus for a long time. But when there is an awakening, something comes into existence that never was manifested in me previously. Oh my gosh. Coming in to existence. An awareness. An awareness is I can see something I couldn't see before. And I tell you, when we can see him as he is, when we can see him as who he is in us, it will transform our perspectives in life. It'll transform what we believe. It'll transform every decision that we make. Why? Because there is an awakening. There is an awareness of him. There is something coming into existence inside of me. We belong to Jesus. We've received Jesus, but I want more than just the knowledge of no knowing that when I die, I'll go to heaven. I want salvation right here, right now, because there are things that we need to come into existence. How many of us need a physical healing in our body? There's people in this body that when God shows up and there's an awakening of who he is in the midst of them, we can reach out and take that thing. We need provision. All the things that God has promised, they come as we have an awakening of who he is and who he is in the midst of us. So it's an existence or awakening to give birth. You know what? We're all pregnant here. Whether you know it or not, we are pregnant we are pregnant with a seed from heaven because God chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, right? You are pregnant. No, you're not. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm not prophesying. All right. <laughs> They're going shoo. Okay. But we're pregnant with vision. We're pregnant with purpose. We're pregnant with a hunger, a seed of hunger on the inside of us that if we are so hungry for him, get ready. You're about to go on a whirlwind of amazing grace, a whirlwind of his unending love. Those songs were so perfect today. I'm not gonna live my life based upon surviving today and what's happening in the world today. I wanna live my life in light of all eternity with an awareness of what God put inside of me. He wants to birth through me. Say, I'm pregnant. pregnant. I heard the guys more than the girls in this one, right? (laughs) I'm pregnant with purpose. The of heaven is in me. seed of heaven is in me. Amen. It's an existence or an awareness to make alive. Come on. Sometimes we just go through life. We lose hope. It feels like we're drying up. We get discouraged. It seems like everything is going wrong. We're facing difficulties. We look at the news. We get all caught up in what's going on in the world, and we begin to dry up. Guess what? When we are made alive, we are made alive into the awakening of who God is, the kingdom of God is the government of God. It is the rule and reign of God. And what government are we under? The kingdom of God. When we give more power to our natural government, then the kingdom of God's government will begin to dry up inside. Our focus will get all off because we're looking at everything around us externally rather than looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants to make us alive. And this one I love. To activate, meaning make active. So what happens when we have an awakening, we are made active. That means we are motivated to do something. And just as I said that, Loretta, I just saw you and I just hear the Lord saying, you are coming into season where you are going to see you are being made very active. And don't pull back from all the opportunities I'm providing for you because I have placed a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and understanding and passion and purpose, a heart that is so motivated for the advancement of the kingdom. The Lord says I'm stripping off all those things that would get you encumbered, all the things that are around you that keep you occupied and I'm bringing you into a clarity of purpose and I'm activating that in the midst of you and truly you will see signs, wonders, and miracles manifested, not just through you, but in you. And the Lord says, I'm causing you to arise and to be activated, to become very active. You're not going to get older. You will in the natural, but you're going to get better. You're going to advance. You're going to increase. You're going to influence many. And you will see the kingdom of darkness fall through your voice and through your hands. So, Father, I thank you that not just Loretta is activated, but we are activated because now our eyes can see. Oh, Dan, if you could see you like the Father sees you, Father God... You'd look in the mirror and say, I love who God created me to be. I feel even if I'm not perfect, I'm connected to the perfect one. And it activates inside of us the awareness of who God is and who we are in him. It means to renew, revive, and reveal. Revelation is so powerful. When the blinders come off my eyes so that I can see clearly, that's an awakening. And it really doesn't matter what anyone else says when I know who I am in him. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around me when I know who I am. Have I arrived? Absolutely not. We're all a work in progress, but when we realize when we search for him with all of our heart, we'll remain dry. No, when we search for him with all of our heart, he will find us, he will meet us, and he will awaken us in those places. Because when I pursue him, it's because he's already pursued me. It's encounters. We need encounters. As I prayed last night and this morning and even through this week when I knew I was going to share these things, I'm saying, God, I just don't want to do church as usual. Not that we do. I know we're a little bit different already. But the fact is, man, I want God. I don't want religious traditions. And some spiritual traditions are good traditions but I just don't want to do things just to please you. I love you, and I want want God to move in your life, but I don't have any power. The pastoral staff doesn't have any power to cause you to be awakened. It only is going to be birthed from the hunger that's on the inside of you, and that only comes through encounters. Even as Katie opened up the service today, it was like, when you're drawn, respond to that. Whether it's lifting your hands, getting on your knees, going to the altar, when you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit inside of you, not just in church, but at home, you wake up in the morning and you feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit, respond to that. You say, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? It could actually be heaven saying, I'm calling you. Have you ever heard the voice of God, but you didn't know you heard the voice of God until after it was over, and then you knew it was the voice of God? He's speaking to us, guys. And when we respond to that, there is an awakening because an encounter causes us to see, brings things into existence. There's some things that God has ordained for you that have not manifested yet for me, that has not manifested yet. But when we have an encounter, it positions those things to be made manifested in our life. And it might not be at all like the person next to you. It'll be uniquely designed for who God created you to be. I guess you want a scripture now. Ephesians 5, 13 and 14 in the NIV It says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Say everything. Everything Everything that the light exposes becomes visible. That means when the light shines, I can see. When the light of the glorious gospel shines, now I can see what I couldn't see before. And everything that is illuminated, everyone that can see, becomes the light. Think about this. When the light shines on me, I can see. And when I can see, then I become a light. When the light of Jesus enlightens you, you become a light to our world. But you notice the progression? It first comes from him. And then from him, it impacts me. The first person that needs to be awakened is us. And as we are awakened, then we can be an asset to awakening. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you're modeling what it's like to be alive, what it's like to be renewed, what it's like to be activated. (laughs) That's why in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, it says, Jesus said this. So if Jesus said it, do you think we can count on it? Okay. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We think, oh, that's sacrilegious. Jesus is the light. But when the light shines on me, I see, so I can become a light. Because ultimately, it's the light of Him inside of me that shines out of me. So you are the light of the world. And then it said, a city set said, on a hill should not be hidden, right? You put a light on a lampstand, don't cover it up with a bushel basket. And many of us throughout our life, when stuff happens, when we go through battles, we go through struggles, even though the light of Jesus lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit, the circumstances of life, the battles of life, the, the, the lies the enemy brings, whatever it might be, it's like a basket on top of us squelching our ability to shine, People are attracted to carriers of hope. When you carry the light, darkness cannot dispel it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There is no power in darkness when the light shines. Do you ever walk into a dark room and somebody, let's say, they, they have a candle? Your attention immediately goes to that light. Jesus says, You are that light. So I want to enlighten you so you can be that light. So when you go into gar- darkness, people will look at you and say, Something is different about that person. And it's not because we're all that, it's because He's all that, right? So you're the light of the world. And I already said the next part and it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. So Jesus is saying, just like we don't want to put a basket over our light and we don't want to hide our light, he said, I want you in the same way to let your light shine. That means it has to deal with our choice, right? We have to make a conscious, intentional, deliberate, on purpose, I know they all mean the same thing, on purpose choice to say, I'm going to be a light. When I walk into Starbucks, I want to be a light. When I walk in the grocery store, I want to be a light. When I'm walking down the street, I want to be a light. My mom's 99 years old in a nursing home, the oldest woman in that nursing home. And guess what? She's a light in that place. Don't say I'm too old or I'm not this or I'm not that. Because light has come from the light. Our light comes from the light. So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So how does our light shine? It's by what we do. Oh, now you're getting into works. Well, I'll tell you, if my husband loves me, I can tell he loves me by what he does. If I love him, he can tell if I love him based upon what I do. How do you know I love you? It's by what I do. How do I know you love me? It's by what you do, right? I can't read your mind. The world can't read your mind, but they can see what you do. Your good deeds. I love the song that we sing. Let my deeds outrun my words oh, we can say a lot, we can preach a lot of sermons, we can have all our convictions, we can have all our opinions. I'll tell you, I got opinions, you got opinions, all God's children's got opinions, but opinions aren't going to bring a light in a dark world. No, we let our light shine by good deeds. We are very good at serving people we know and we love. What happens when we serve people who don't know how to respond to love? don't know how to return it. They might even be uncomfortable with your good deeds. And that's fun. It's so much fun shaking the world up by loving them just right where they're at i got to be careful not to get in my own convictions here, okay? Uh, That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, when people see your good deeds, they're going to look and say, Man, Jesus is real. God is real. Look how they're responding. They'll say, Why are you like this? Well, let me tell you. Why are you so different? Let me tell you. So we don't have to fret over the darkness. We've just got to be a light. Think about God in creation. The earth was dark. It was without form. It was void. He didn't go, oh my gosh, it's so dark out there. No, he just stood and said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. He was not controlled by the darkness. The darkness didn't upset him. It did not move him. It was his opportunity to create light. And that light shines on us, and we have our opportunity wherever we go, whoever we're with, to be that light. Will we do it perfectly? Probably not. But when it's a part of our awareness... then we make choices to do that. I wanna go back to the very beginning. It's very hard to do that without awakening. Because when there is an awakening, when there's encounters with the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, then it gives me the understanding and the direction and the clarity to function from love rather than trying to get love to function from valuing and honoring others rather than trying to get them to value and honor me. If the only reason I give to Loretta is so she gives me something back, that's not love. But when I make an investment into her just because I love her, then that is love. Right? Okay. So the world will know we are Christians by our love. So in John 13, 35, this is the passion. I love this. For when you demonstrate, I remember when I first, those first few, well, let's say when we got married, we call that first year a year from hell. That's what what I called it. (laughs) (laughs) A year from hell. Okay. When we got married, we showed up at church. There was going to be a wedding that day. We eloped. We showed up at this church. There was a wedding. So they had all the decorations. So we just used their decorations before their wedding. We went in. We got married. And as a part of the ceremony, and he told me he loved me before that. That's probably the thing that won me because he really showed me he loved me. And then he said he loved me on our wedding day. Six months later, I'm freaking out. I have been waiting for six months for him to tell me he loved me, to show me he loved me, to treat me like he loved me. But you know what, he grew up in an environment where they didn't say, I love you. I won't tell his stories, because they're his stories to tell, but every abuse there was, he experienced. So when you've been in that place, it's really hard to show love when you didn't receive it. Bless his heart, right? In a very good sense, because I learned that's, okay, I learned that's negative, which I didn't know was negative, and I would say, bless their hearts, and Joel and Katie are saying, oh, mama, that's that's not how people define that when you say that, and I'm going, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so, but bless his heart in a good sense, all right, and so I went to him, cried, because I was not a crier. I was not emotional. I hated crying. I hated emotion, but I was crying this day, And I said, you never tell me you love me. He said, well, I did it when we got married. And he was, he wasn't like, he he was like oblivious. (laughs) No, you tell me you love me. I get it at least once a day, okay? And uh, so I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm, you know, throwing an emotional fit. I just need you to tell me you love me, and then he come up and he says, "Melody, I love you." Oh, the only reason you're saying that is because I told you to. <laughs> so there he is. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because I was looking externally for a person to meet, want my need for Stephen to be a light unto me. Remember in the garden. Oh, I didn't mean to get off on this, but in the garden, what was the result of sin? Her desire was towards her husband. Before her identity came from God, his identity came from God, and they partnered together in a beautiful partnership. But then afterwards, all her desire was to her husband. And so many women are living out of a false identity, trying to get their identity, value, and worth from another person. And God did not create us to function that way. That doesn't mean husbands should not love their wives as Christ loved the church. It doesn't mean that wives should respect their husbands. That's biblical. But the fact is, I'm accountable to my God and he is accountable to his God. I don't have power over him and whether or not he is going to pursue God with all his heart. I only have power over me. I don't have you. You can be in this church for years, but we have no power over your walk with God. It has nothing to do with the sermons we preach or how great the worship is or any of those things. It has to do with your hunger. It has to do with awakening. And I'll tell you, if all, if all we do is desire that awakening with all our hearts, there is no good thing that he's going to withhold for those who desire that. So it says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, Loving one another, everyone, say everyone, will know that you are my true followers. For when you demonstrate by our actions the same love I have for you, do you realize we can't give what we don't have? If I am not aware of how much the Father loves me, it's going to be very difficult for me to share with you how much the father loves you. It begins first with awakening. So when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you're my true disciples. We want awakening in the world. It begins with being a true disciple. Come on guys. Instead of cursing the darkness, we get to be a light. That's why we are a gossip free zone in this house, a prejudice free zone. Why? Because that is the complete opposite of good works, good deeds. It's the opposite. It'll plunge people into darkness. It'll plunge them into emotional chaos. If I go dump all over Rosa something I know about, uh, you know, whoever over there, Mary, I'm just talking bad about Mary and I'm just telling, you know, that to Rosa, now she has to deal with that stuff. That isn't right. It's not just. It's not fair. It's not pure. We can't control anyone, but we want to have a culture that we promote, that we are willing to live. Because when we are awakened, we function in the same love that the Father has for us. And I have one advantage because of my past disadvantages I was a mess addicted to alcohol, smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, trying to climb the governmental ladder to somehow see value about, uh, concerning myself. And I was such a mess. I was such an angry young woman. You make a pass at me, bah, bah, you know, there you go. I mean, I was angry. I was a man-hating woman's liver. That, well, that was never Melody, is who Melody thought she was. <laughs> what did you just say? How did, you survive? How did I survive? I don't know. <laughs> okay, now you made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> no, really. Actually, um, in the midst of all that, my father's love was drawing me, he was pursuing me, he was chasing me down. His love was so radical for me, he was not moved by any of my stupid things. Because he knew once I would have awakening, I would be made new. He knew that once I experienced his love, that I would be a giver of love. He knew that where I was was not where I was going to end up being. Remember, God exists outside of time. He knows where you've been, and he's not moved by it. Because he knows the end of the story. And really, for us, there is no end of the story, for we will live forever in his presence. Romans 15, 12 in the Passion. I love this. Those who know nothing about him say, those who know nothing about him. These are people who do not know Jesus. So we're not talking about the church here. We're talking about the world. We're talking about those who do not know Jesus. Those who know nothing about him will clearly see him. We don't have to make them see him. In fact, the more you put pressure on them to try to convince them to see what they do not yet see, they're going to run from you. Because you're saying you have to be like me to be accepted by me. What is unconditional love? Is you can be who God created you to be and I can celebrate that, right? If someone's in the world, man, when I was in the world, to tell me not to act like the world was impossible. But when Jesus came to dwell on the inside of me and how did I get saved? It was through an encounter, even though I didn't know it was an encounter at the time. Instantly delivered from alcohol. I knew that was impossible. Those who have nothing, those who know nothing about him will clearly see him, and those who have not heard will understand. Why? Because they've been awakened because we've become the light. The light has shined on us, so we become the light. It's not a difficult thing. And when we are a light in a dark world, then those who know nothing about him will clearly see him. Why? Because they're watching you. And those who have not heard will understand. That's being an asset to awakening. That is us partnering with our creator to be light in a dark world. I love this by Moses, he said this. Now Moses, he had it pretty rough, right? He really did. It wasn't so bad when he was growing up in Egypt, but he was so schooled in everything that was dark, nothing that was light. And when he began to be awakened, he started fighting on behalf of the children of Israel. He ran into the wilderness, okay, I'll just stay there. I'll be safe in the wilderness, away from Egypt. And then he has a burning bush experience. He's stuttering. He does not want to go back to Egypt. (laughs) He doesn't want any of those things, but he ends up going. And I just think about it. So often, you know, when God reveals, we got to hold steady to that. One plague comes. Okay, first of all, he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh will not let the people go. A plague comes. It didn't work. So another plague comes. Well, that didn't work. Another plague comes. Well, that didn't work. I bet you Moses is going, God. (laughs) How long is this going to take? Another plague comes. That didn't work. But we do know they were delivered from Egypt. Now he is in the wilderness. With all these people, they came out of slavery with slavery mindsets. And even though Moses was awakened, the people were not fully awakened. Right? And he had a pastor, three million plus. And they didn't even want to hear God's voice because when God spoke, they talked about pooping their pants, didn't they? Something along that line. (laughs) I mean, it scared the tar out of them, literally. And uh, they said, Moses, you go talk to God. Let him talk to you. And you come back and tell us what he says. We don't want to hear him. They were saying, oh, I don't want to be awakened. I don't want to be enlightened. So what did Moses say? Here he is in Exodus thirty-three thirteen. He goes to God. And sometimes you might feel like you're the only one where you work, where you live, the people you're surrounded by, you feel like you're the only one. Moses said to the Lord, if you are pleased with me, that makes me wanna cry right there, the desire of our hearts to just please God. So God, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. He was acknowledging that he didn't know it all. So God, teach me your ways. And there was a reason he wanted to know the ways of God. And it's so that I may know you. Lord, teach us your ways so that we can really know you. Because when we know the love of God, we will be able to love others, right? The fact is, if it's all about me, I'll never be satisfied. If it's all about someone else, I'll never be satisfied. It's about me being awakened and me being an asset for awakening. It's about according to our podcast, the exchange of life. Any relationship that's just one-sided really isn't a relationship. So if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And then he says this sentence, which just shakes me to the core. He said, remember that this nation is your people. He said, Lord, if I, if you are pleased with me, he he put it on himself. He was not blaming everybody else. He was saying, if I am pleased, if you are pleased with me, then teach me your ways so I may know you. He was crying out for his own awakening. what are you doing? (laughs) That was my husband over there. (laughs) He was trying to find the notes. Actually, you won't even get to half of the notes today. But if you are pleased with me, teacher, that I may know you. Uh, And then he says, now, so he focused on himself, his personal responsibility, that personal awakening with God. And then he said, remember, these millions of people, this nation belongs to you these people are your people. I want you to know every single person alive today on the planet was created by God. God might not be their father. They might not be a part of the kingdom. They might not know Jesus, but they are loved by the father because God so loved the world and all of our mess that he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for us, isn't that right? So, if the Father so loves the world, isn't it safe to conclude that we should love the world? And if we want to see awakening in the midst of darkness, then we will love them just like the Father has loved us, and we'll get to be one that models those things so people will be drawn to the light that is inside of us. It's really not hard if we are awakened. Psalms 1037, I love this, because God always responds. And you know what the father did for Moses? It says here, he made known his ways to Moses. Moses said, teach me your ways. So he made known his ways to Moses. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Because everyone, every say everyone. everyone. That includes me. Everyone that ask receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened unto him. He's just asking us to ask. He gave us a free will. He gave us the power of choice. So it says, he made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people. So let me tell you what deeds are. It's actions and practices. And so many of us pursue God for what we want him to give to us. And you know what? Pursue him. Because he wants to give to us. But if we're only pursuing him to get, we might experience his deeds. We might have areas, well, wow, we know that was God. But just experiencing what he does for us without knowing his ways, we will be limited in letting our light shine. Ways means knowing God's path, his direction, his habits. God's got some habits. If he's got those habits, those are habits I want, right? He's got a path. He's got a way of doing something. That's why I want to align our thoughts and ways with heaven. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. And he's giving us an invitation to embrace his thoughts and his ways. It means habits, course of life, and his character. When we pursue him, who he is, is in the midst of us. And when I know his character, I then can be conformed into his image and be that light. So we won't be controlled by darkness, because we'll be the light. We won't be controlled by the problems, because we know we're carriers of the solution. I can't force it on anyone. But when someone says, Melody, man, I'm ready. I will, I will make time. <laughs> I will do whatever I need to do for the hungry. If someone isn't hungry, then I'm not going to chase them down saying, eat my food. The fact is, you don't want to eat my food. Okay, I don't cook. But if they're hungry for what I carry, if they're hungry for what God wants to give them, I will invest. But if they're not hungry, all my investment will produce nothing because we set out a spread. Can you imagine setting out your Thanksgiving dinner and when people come, they don't want to eat it? You put all that time, effort, and energy and money into making a huge Thanksgiving dinner and they go, heck, I don't want that. Okay, we'll get off of that one. We won't be intimidated by their problems. We carry solutions. We don't force those solutions on anyone. But when they come, we can share them. We are not moved by people's attitudes or actions, but by truth. Unconditional love is unconditional when someone doesn't earn it. (laughs) Well, when they love me, I'll love them. Well, when they're kind to me, I'll be kind to them. When they're respectful to me, I'll be respectful to them. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But unconditional love says I ignore what someone does to have the opportunity to be a light, giving them an opportunity to embrace awakening. We will partner with God, not out of obligation, not out of rules, not out of laws, not out of you have to, you should, you must, But we will intentionally and deliberately choose that. And I should be winding it up. And I already chopped out two pages and I got two pages left. So we'll see how far I go. And I'll just do this very quickly because I talked about it, oh, maybe a month or so just as an illustration um, after worship. But there is a huge difference between obligation and choice. The moment I do something because I have to, the moment I feel obligated and I'm doing what I don't want to do, but I'm obligated to do it, the moment we do that, we engage negative emotions because we step out to do something we don't want to do it. So already our heart isn't there. We're already sabotaging it before we start. People get married. Well, I married them. I got to live with them. We have stepped into obligation, and then everything that we do, we do with a negative slant. Well, we're pastor in this church, so I got to fulfill my expectation. I do that. Then if the phone rings, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be irritated. We have kids And then when we feel obligated to care for those kids, now we're angry at those kids. What happens, whatever we do when we're obligated, it creates a cycle. And I'm gonna say this very fast, but we will get tired because all of our emotional energies are drained. When someone said, I'm so drained emotionally, it's because they are stepping into obligation. We'll say, Well, I am obligated. I'll tell you, I'll give you a solution in a bit, okay? We get tired, we grow resistant. We might be there in person, but we are not present. We are far from you (laughs) on some other planet or whatever. We grow resentful because we have to do this. We must do this. We should do this. We begin to rebel. Now, Rachel is the problem, right? I begin to resist. I begin to rebel. And I start looking at Rachel in this negative way of thinking about her. So what do I do if I'm rebellion, rebelling? I'll procrastinate. Stephen could say, I have to take out the garbage every Sunday. So I'll just forget this week and I'll show her. (laughs) Then you have double the next week, so he takes it out every week. (laughs) We start making excuses why we can't, why we don't have to, why this, why that, right? Because we're trying to get out of this obligation we don't want. That's why in this house, when we give people opportunities to serve, we don't want anyone to do anything out of obligation because if they do it out of obligation, they will sabotage their service. They will hinder the people they are there to serve because they don't want to be there. They don't want to do it. Can you imagine the greeter at the door? There is Ashley out there. I don't want to be here. And when they walk in, hey, here's your announcement. I'm fulfilling my obligation. But we got bubbly Ashley back there, right? You walk in, you feel loved, she's cheerful, all these things, because it's not obligatory. We'll get to it, okay? We withdraw and then we aggressively are visibly rebellious. Now we start resisting that person Remember, we're not present. Come here, Stephen. Come and give your wifey a hug. (laughs) Okay, it's enough. That's obligation. So we quit, we want to back out, we want to cut off relationships. We do all kinds of crazy things because we started out obligatorily. Then we lose confidence in our ability. We begin to believe lies. I'm not good enough. We believe lies about others. Well, I'll tell you. They demand this, they require this, they're controlling, they're manipulative, they're pressuring, Yeah, they're trying to force me to do something I don't want to do. And we believe lies about God. God, I've gone to church for six weeks, why didn't you do something yet? (laughs) All right, I have to read my Bible, so I get up in the morning and I put in my five minutes and you haven't done anything for me yet. Okay, forgive me. Okay. But say a little, a little shift. Just a little shift. Just a little shift in how we thinking, how we think changes everything. So we move away from obligation because it's probably good to go to work. It's a very good thing to care for your children. It's a good thing to love your wife. It's a good thing for wives to respect their husband. It's a good thing to show yourself friendly so you can enjoy friendships. Those are all good things. But if we do them obligatorily, we will sabotage them. But just a little shift where we move out of obligation into intentional choice. We make a conscious choice. Honey, you want to come and give your wife a hug? I make... (laughs) After after the last one, he don't know what he wants to do, okay? I make a deliberate conscious choice, right? It's the wind. To know him, to love him, to value him, to celebrate him not because he's a sailor who looked really hot in those dress whites 32 inch waist he he still rides bike but he rode bike oh those muscular you know he had the cutest butt on the planet People say, what do you like most about Stephen? I go, his butt, his butt. So did you. Yeah, so did I. (laughs) I was muscle head to toe. I really was. Okay. Thank you. This is too much for you. (laughs) We're just connecting to all these people who've been married more than five years, right? Okay, things changed a little bit. No, it's a little shift. To say, I choose you. And keep choosing the people in our lives. To keep choosing, deliberately making choices to do the right thing. To give my best when I go to work. To treat people with honor and value and respect. I choose to do that. I choose to love someone as Christ loved me. So when we choose, we start out enthusiastic. Now our emotional energies are on full gear, man. We are excited. We see value in all the things that we do. We are engaged in what we do. Man, we're all in. We're giving it our 100% on good days, on bad days, because we made a choice to do this. If things aren't going good, someone's sick in the family, I'm going to still give my all. When money is a little tight, I'm going to still give my all. When we go through a difficult season, I'm going to still give it my all. It's a choice we make. It's a covenant we keep. We begin to make progress because when you give something your all, you'll have progress. We begin to expect results. And if we see those results, we're saying, oh, this is so much better than obligation. Not only was the process awesome, but look what it produced. Because when you do the right thing, it feels good, right? But what if we don't see results? We made that choice, we were enthusiastic, we were progressing, we expected results and here we didn't get them, then what do we do? We search for solutions because we made a choice. So we search for solutions, we strategize, we analyze that situation, we make the adjustments that are needed Isn't it true after 47 years of marriage, honey, we've had to make a lot of adjustments through the years? Still do, because life changes. Demands are different. It might not be producing all that it should be producing, so let's make some adjustments. Let's add some important things so this can really be good. That's what happens when you choose. It allows me to choose again and remain committed to my original choice. The bottom line is, when we choose to become an asset for awakening, it's not all, you know, ah, ah. You might not feel it all the time, but when it's a choice, you don't have to feel it. Because you know it's the right thing. And you've chosen to abandon yourself to the lordship of Christ. And you are pursuing him for your own personal awakening so that you can be an asset to awakening. We do it in every relationship we have. In this house, there's not one perfect person. But we still choose each other. Candy, when you were just a little girl, you know, Lauren, you know how Lauren's such a sweetheart. She is a complete image of Candy. Not just how she looks, but in how she acts. And from the time Candy was a little girl, she'd be always writing me these notes with scripture verses on and drawing pictures for Pastor Melody. That's what I remember from Candy from the time she was a little one. And you know what? Today I still choose you. I choose you. Every partnership we have, whether that partnership is with believer or not, we can still choose. When I work for different companies and I've chosen to take a job, I choose to give them my best. We become an asset of awakening, demonstrating the kingdom of God through the power of choice given us. When God created man and woman, he gave them the power of choice. There is so much power in choice. Listen to this in Romans 6, and I'm going to close very shortly. Romans 6, 16 in the Passion. Don't you realize that grace, that's the Holy Spirit's ability. Don't you realize grace frees you? It liberates you. It empowers you. Grace frees you to choose your own master. God so loves us. He goes, man, if you want to serve the Lord, you could serve the Lord. If you want to serve the devil, that's your choice. I think about it. Can you imagine when the serpent came to the man and the woman in the garden and started lying to them? Why didn't God just show up like Superman and say, no, no. Don't believe his lies. Show his power. Drive back the enemy. Why didn't God do that? It's because he gave them the power of choice. He never took away their choice even when they chose the serpent and the lies over the father that they met with every single day. And they were living in the most perfect thing that we could ever imagine. I don't even imagine what the Garden of Eden was like. He didn't stop them. It says, do you realize that grace frees frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully, for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. Now, I don't want to shake up religion, or I don't want any woman in this room to take this in the wrong way, or Mama Melody will have to correct you, Okay. But I don't go to Stephen for permission for anything. I go to him for agreement. There's a big difference. Oh, honey, please, are you okay if I take this job? I mean, he doesn't even know if I have a job or not. He just knows I work all day, right? And so, (laughs) unless I tell him, hey, would you drive me to D.C. or something like that? I don't ask his permission, but I do ask for his agreement We want to partner together to empower one another. Marriage is a covenant. Relationships are covenant where there is an exchange of life. It's not a boss and a servant. Okay, nobody threw up, so I think we're okay. <laughs> if you choose to love sin, you will be, it will become your master. I remember when alcohol was my master. I remember when cigarettes were my master, oh my goodness. (laughs) When Stephen said, I won't marry you until you quit smoking. I did love him more than the cigarettes, but I remember waking up, because he'd be in New York. He was in New York, I was in DC. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be rooting through the garbage cans, just trying to find a butt with maybe a little bit of tobacco still on it. (laughs) It was torturous. (laughs) They became my master. They began to control me. My job controlled me. My career controlled me. I had two gods. It was the FBI and it was karate. And nothing got in the way of my two gods. (laughs) And they controlled me. So if you choose to love sin, not that... FBI or, well, maybe it might be, you know, uh, will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, This is why we need uh, awakening, because then our obedience to God is from an experiential reality. Then our obedience to God is in a place where we know him. We experience his love. It's not rules and obligations. It is an intimate relationship with my father. This person who still probably doesn't feel comfortable with crying, In his presence, I'm mush. I love my husband, and he can make me a little mushy, but God wrecks me with his love. But if I choose to love and obey God, he will lead me into perfect righteousness. Perfect is mature righteousness is right actions the beginning of the message was all, they'll know you by your good deeds right they'll know my love cuz you'll be a light through your good deeds correct righteousness is good deeds It's doing the right thing. It's making a conscious, deliberate choice to do the right thing. It doesn't always mean it's pleasant, but it's right. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's right. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I won't finish the message, but Lord, I cry out. Do you want to stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, I cry out for awakening. If you are here and you say, Lord, I don't want to go through religious traditions of men, but I want an awakening of the Spirit. I want to experience you. I long for encounters. I just want you to lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, come. We want more of you. We are hungry for you. We thirst for you. Lord, above everything else, we want you. Holy Spirit, come right now in power and authority and glory, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are invading us with your light, with your love, and it's causing our eyes to see. It's causing our ears to hear. It's causing our heart to receive. So Holy Spirit, come right now in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for that right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Can you just pray in the spirit of you? Pray in the